and we are live here with a Schloss Rant 2022 NFL preview. This is our seventh annual NFL preview that we're bringing live to you on Facebook. Again, the Schloss Rant NFL preview. I couldn't be any more excited if I tried. We're sitting here Labor Day right around 4 o'clock here on the East Coast. Sitting here right outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania here in the Ballot-Kinwood abode. Schloss Rant NFL season preview. We're going to get into the Giants. We're going to get into my patent under overs. We're going to get into the second annual Schloss Top 5 NFL players. And we're also going to go ahead and get into our Super Bowl predictions along with the division winners, along with the wild card participants as well here. As I can't believe, and I say this every single year, I cannot believe that the NFL season is upon us. I mean, you have the summer and you go down to the beach and you barbecue and you go to baseball games and then the NFL season just kind of comes at you quickly and it's like, oh, it's Labor Day weekend and the Super Bowl champion LA Rams are going to be defending their title against the Buffalo Bills on Thursday. But without further ado, let's get into the Schloss rant preview and we're going to start with the Giants here with the New York Giants all the change all the tumultuous off seasons they bring in players players go out you know they release Bradbury they released Blake Martinez just recently this is a team that needs to have some type of stability because they've been an absolute abomination an absolute disgrace They've been pathetic, the product they'd offered on the field. We've suffered through the small or the medium Pepsi gate last year that they did to honor all the season ticket holders. So this team has got to show some level of stability. They yet again have changed regimes. It seems like almost every other year they did it. They did it in 2020, bringing in Judge to go along with Gettleman after Gettleman was brought in in 2018. And now we have here 2022. When we bring in Dayball, he's going to be the coach of the team, and we got Joe Shane. What I'm looking for out of this regime is can there be adults in the room? Can the team not disgrace themselves? Can the team line up and play competitive football? Now, if you're Joe Shane, you've been dealt one heck of an unfortunate hand because what's in front of you is you got to clean up the roster that Dave Gettleman created. He signed bad contracts drafted players to horrendous or drafted players at horrendous spots. I'm looking at you, Saquon Barkley, with that number two overall pick. And from the bad standpoint player, I'm looking at players that he had to release like Bradbury, like Martinez, but number one who's still on the team, Kenny Galladay. Joe Shane has been dealt an absolute impossible situation. So what, he, what he's going to have to do is make sure that this team has a steady hand that they've not had in quite some time and give us something to build upon. This first year is going to kind of be a year to see what can they do well. Is Daniel Jones your, is your quarterback for the future? Because if he's your quarterback for the future, not a whole lot matters besides that. Now, Jones has been dealt a horrible hand, too. You think about all the offensive coordinators and all of the head coaches he had. I mean, he had a different coordinator almost in every single year. I mean, you talk about Garrett. You talk about now he's going to deal with Kafka. You talk about before that he had Shula. So 
this guy has not really been given a fair chance, a fair shake to show what he's going to be able to do. This team just needs to show me that they can compete and not be an utter disgrace. Shane's going to, of course, try to clean up Gettleman's mess. And I think he would have released Kenny Galladay if he could have. But that would have just destroyed the cap space. Now, with Dable from the coaching standpoint, this is a guy that has to be a leader. He has to have his hand in on all decisions made on the on-field football activities. Now, Dayball kind of cut his cut himself, you know, cut his teeth as an offensive guy. You saw what he was able to do with Josh Allen and the Bills. But this is a guy, and I've said it before, he cannot have his head on the diner sized playbook sheet. He can't do it. He's gotta have his hands involved within all aspects of of the team. That means offense, that means defense, and you know he coached with Belichick with the Patriots, special teams as well. This team cannot be an absolute disgrace on all three sides of the ball. They just can't be, because if they do that, they're going to continue the garbage four, five, and six win seasons that we know that we don't want to see as giant fans. We've been waiting long enough. I mean, you look at the last 15 years, yeah, they still have had two Super Bowls. I know those two seem like ancient memories, and they kind of are getting there, but they have not had much success besides that. This team's been an out-and-out disgrace since 2016. Least amount of wins in the NFL tied with their same stadium rivals, the Jets. So ideally, what he can do, if you're Brian Dable, is turn Daniel Jones into a respectable quarterback. Leave heavily on your play caller, Mike Kafka, Leave heavily on Shane Tierney, the quarterback coach, because those two guys, Kafka's worked with Mahomes in Kansas City, and Tierney's worked with Allen in Buffalo. If you're able to do that, you're going to put the team in a good position where, okay, you might have a predicament with Daniel Jones. If he has one good year here, it's going to be like, okay, what do we do with him? And I say you just franchise him. You already declined his fifth-year option. If he has a good season, this is a great problem to have if you're the Giants. You slap him with the franchise tag, and you say, you know what, this season was great. Go out there and prove it again. Go show us that you can move the ball down the football field, and you can not only win from the pocket, but also use your elite athleticism to make plays and pick up first downs when it's third and seven. Go out there and run for eight, slide and get down, and keep yourself healthy if you're Daniel Jones. That's what I want to see. You look at you know what Dable did, like I said, with Josh Allen. He's not going to automatically come in here and do that. I know the similarities are there. We have tall, athletic quarterbacks. You're looking at with both Allen and Jones. But just because they have those same two traits does not automatically mean that he's going to come in and get that same job done with Allen. Or sorry, with Jones as he did with Allen. So I kind of look at what they did in 2019 and 2020 with, with Allen. If we can kind of middle that, Get about 28 touchdowns, 10 picks, complete around 64% of your passes if you're Jones, and still run the ball down the field, still pick up those big first downs, like I said, when it's third and seven. You would have done a successful job in getting the Giants a quarterback who at least, like I said, you can give him that franchise tag and go out there and say, prove it again. The Giants have wasted, wasted years in which you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal because they had severe incompetence along the coaching step, severe incompetence with the general manager and Gettleman. 
Now's the time to wash that slate clean. I know that Jones wasn't the guy that you brought in if you're Joe Sheen and Brian Dable, but he's the guy you got here. He's still on a rookie deal for this fourth year. And go out there, go make it happen. There's this thing called coaching, which is not talked about enough. Get the coaches to put this guy in a chance to win football games. It doesn't need to look pretty. What does Daniel Jones do as well as pretty much any quarterback? There's one thing, and it's run the football with his legs. Make things happen when there's not much there. If I'm the Giants coaching staff, I'm drawing up at least eight designed runs for him, whether they be the naked bootlegs, whether they be the RPO attacks, whether you go old school and you run some triple option type attacks as well. Get this guy moving outside the pocket. Let him pick up the confidence when he runs so that the other teams that they're playing have to keep him honest and they have to respect the run so that the passing game opens up. You've got some targets who've got talent. You brought in a rookie, Wondell Robinson. You have Kadarius Toney who showed flashes. Kenny Galladay can't be as bad as he was last year. And you also have Sterling Shepard. So go do something if you're the Giants. Go set this guy up so he can have success, so he can lead your team down the field, win football games. Another thing with the Giants, they have the 32nd ranked schedule, meaning the easiest in the entire NFL. Go win football games. You're playing Tennessee week one next Sunday, or this Sunday I should say, Go beat them. If you don't think Tannehill's a good quarterback, go pressure him. Make him win, win the game from the pocket. You have an easy schedule. You're in a bad division. A bad division. Don't tell me Washington's any good. Don't tell me that Dallas is any good. Philly's okay. But go win games if you're the Giants. Go win football games. This is a team that needs to get rid of all the losing that's been going on. Because they've been pathetic, and I'm sick of coming on here. People are sick of talking about these losing giants. Give us something to root for. We're begging you. We're in the desert. We're looking for an old, expired, 8-ounce Costco water bottle, one of those mini ones. We need something. Go win football games. Coach them up if you're Brian Dable. Get the most out of this roster. We know it's not an ideal situation. Get them and destroy the cap. He did a horrendous job from a signing free agency. He did a horrendous job drafting. But if you're the coaches, draw up game plans to win, especially against the easiest schedule in the NFL. And that's all we can ask. Get us in the mix so come December and January we're playing serious football if we're the Giants. Go do something like that. Give us something to keep watching. Make it so that it's not October 23rd or something like that. I'm not even looking at the calendar as to what day of the week that is. But it's the end of October and the season's already over and we're already looking forward to whatever else. Because the Giants have not kept have not kept us as fans engaged deep in the season because they've been so bad, because they've been so poorly run. And this comes down to Mara. This comes down to Tish. This comes down to the ownership. They are held just as responsible as anyone else because I'm sick and tired of going on these rants and going on and on about how awful the team is. They stink and they're pathetic and they got to show me something more. Save it with me. Save the BS about this being the most excited players were during camp and how awesome the coach was. They haven't played a regular season game yet. 
Of course they're excited. And I bought into Joe Judge, that clown, sliding across the turf with the water or whatever it is, picking up fumbles as they sprayed the hose. What a joke. What an absolute disgrace. What an idiot I was for buying into that. This team was terrible last year. The players quit on him. He quit on the players. They were an absolute disgrace. So the Giants, you got a lot of work to do. you got to make us fans happy because we've had enough of the losing garbage we've had to watch. It's been an absolute pathetic disgrace of an organization, and I hate that I have to keep using disgrace and pathetic. How about you let me use words like I'm proud of this football team. This football team showed a lot of fight. They went out there and made plays that might have not looked pretty, but they won football games. That's your goal if you're the 2022 New York football giants. Bring us back to prominence. Make it so that you're not the laughing stock of the league. Little phone call coming in there. All right, now we're going to get into the under-overs. I've been doing these for years. I've been doing them before uh, this type of stuff was allowed on your smartphones in various different states. So we're going to get into it. i got three overs and three unders. Let's start with the overs first. Let's look at the positive. Cincinnati Bengals, give me them nine and a half. Give me them over nine and a half. Yes, they made the Super Bowl last year. Yes, they have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. They are still on rookie deals. So what that what they were able to do was go out there and add to that offensive line. Realistically, they shouldn't have been the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl last year. Kansas City, Buffalo, they were both better overall. We all kind of felt robbed that that wasn't the AFC title game that Kansas City and Baltimore, or sorry, the Kansas City and Buffalo game. We kind of felt robbed of that being the, um, you know, AFC championship game. So it was kind of unfortunate that Cincinnati was not, or Cincinnati was able to make the Super Bowl and it wasn't Kansas City or Buffalo in the mix there. But at any rate, they still have room for growth if you're Cincinnati. They definitely have room for growth. And the reason is because no one really expected them to go to the Super Bowl last year. So over nine and a half, I like them to win at least 10 games. I think that's very doable. The next over we're going to take a look at is Minnesota. Minnesota was 8-9 and nine last year. It's not a great record. It's mediocre to average. I get that. But they got rid of Mike Zimmer, who kind of held them back. I know he's a Parcells disciple, and that's kind of sacrilege for me as a Giant fan to rag on the guy. But now they bring in a guy, Kevin O'Connell, who's going to be able to insert a more pass-happy offense, not just rely as much on Dalvin Cook to run the ball down the, down the field. This is a guy, O'Connell, who you know had a couple cups or a couple coffees in the NFL with various teams. I think the Jets, the Patriots, were some of them. But he was very highly respected. I know Nick Mangle, the former you know Jet player, talked about him very highly. I heard him on an interview, probably during the offseason, talking about how smart this guy was. How he was basically like leading the offensive play play meetings when he, during his time with the Jets. And another thing with the Vikings, if you flip the close games within a touchdown. Not looking at the backdoor covers where they kind of, you know, added on an unnecessary uh, touchdown at the end. They would have been 12-5 and five last year. So I think the new coach bringing in a more pass-happy offensive scheme. I still think Kirk Cousins is a nice quarterback. He's not the best. He's not elite necessarily. But I think they're going to get over 9.5 wins as well. My third over, Kansas City. This is probably the most square bet you could throw out there. Kansas City over 10.5. But they have an they and I know they have the hardest schedule as well. But Mahomes is still there, and I feel like Mahomes is a guy that's kind of been overlooked. 
Mahomes has also showed you he can do this without Tyreek Hill. In the five games without him, he's put up a quarterback rating of 103. He's thrown eight touchdowns versus one interception. And with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that combination has been no worse than 12 and 5. So even if they take a step back to 11 and 6, you're looking at cashing that over 10 and a half. So I like Kansas City getting that over 10 and a half. I feel like all the hype in that division has been about the Chargers and what they're going to do, has been about Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, has been about the Raiders trying to make the playoffs for the second straight year. And I don't think they're getting enough credit. So therefore, I think realistically, if I was the run runner in the shop, I'd make that at 11 and a half. And instead, we have it at 10 and a half. And we're going to go ahead and play that over for Kansas City at 10 and a half. It's kind of a square bet, but I like it. Now to my unders. I just spent a, a great deal of time about this team. But the Giants are not winning over seven and a half games. I know that they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. But they, this team has to show me that they can shed the nonsense that's gone on, the nonsense that Gettleman left behind. They're kind of in a rebuilding mode because Gettleman thought that he could still win with Eli Manning. And because the team never pulled the Band-Aid off, this is a year where they're not necessarily going to win all these games. And the team has to show me that they can win over seven and a half games. That's not a great number to end up at eight and nine if they were to hit that over. And I don't think that this team has proven that they can win at least seven games. So give me the Giants under seven and a half. The next one is the Raiders. The Raiders have the third hardest schedule, and the Raiders are sitting there at eight and a half right now. Raiders have the third hardest schedule, and we're, by some metrics, the luckiest team in the NFL meaning if one score legitimate close games within the last five minutes go the other way, the Raiders end up something that like 5-12 and 12 instead of going, I think they were 10-7 and seven and making the playoffs. So they were the luckiest team in those coin flip types of games. And I don't love the coach. I really don't love the head coach. I thought Rich Passaccia did a good job stepping in there on the interim basis for Gruden. I thought they had some momentum building that an interim coach tends to bring to you in that very, very unique and, you know, quite frankly, awful situation with Gruden in the emails and with Henry Ruggs and, you know, what happened there on the streets of Las Vegas. So I think they're going to take a step back. I don't love McDaniels as a head coach. What has he proven? Yeah, he had a good start with Denver in 09, but he, he was canned after two years and he, he declined the Indianapolis job in the past. I just don't know that this is a, is a guy to be a big-time head coach. So give me the Raiders under eight and a half. I mean, they're a playoff team, and you're seeing their under over sitting right there at eight and a half. So give me under right there. And the last one, Dallas, nine and a half. Dallas is not a horrendous team. I could see them maybe going nine and eight, but their offensive line is a mess if you're going to tell me Smith is already dealing with an injury. They brought in Jason Peters. I didn't even know that guy was still, you know, in consideration of the NFL. He's an all, you know, he's a probable Hall of Famer, but bringing him in as a, as a Band-Aid because Smith's out, that's not going to work out too well. Mike McCarthy can't coach his way out of a paper bag anymore. Aaron Rodgers bailed that guy out more times throughout the years in Green Bay. So I don't like the coach. I don't necessarily love the offensive line. If you're going to tell me Smith is out, Zach Martin's an absolute beast along that line. But that left tackle spot is important. Tyron Smith is an excellent left tackle. And with him out, it's not going to work. So give me Dallas under that nine and a half. Now, the next segment we're going to cover here is going to be the top five NFL players. Then we'll get into the full season preview with the division and conference winner along with the wild cards. My top five shouldn't be too surprising. Let's start with number five, Trent Williams. 
when he went to San Francisco, they really highlighted his ability to be a pass blocker, even as an offensive tackle, which is not a position you always think about with pass blocking. He had a 97.8 overall grade from pro football focus. I don't think it's a coincidence that any running back that San Francisco put in there, he was able, or they were able to perform behind Trent Williams' blocking. I mean, even Debo Samuel was able to carry the ball effectively, and he's more of a wide receiver than he was a running back. Jimmy G was also effective in there passing the ball because why? He had time to throw the football down the field. He had time to make clutch throws, big-time throws. San Francisco was real close to getting to a Super Bowl last year. So give me Trent Williams as my number five overall player in the NFL. Number four, I wanted to put this guy at number three, but I, I, the, he throws a little too many interceptions for me to move him up a little bit, and that's Josh Allen. This is a guy you saw at the end of that Kansas City-Buffalo game, which was as epic a game as in the history of the NFL, and that's just not recency bias because now I'm saying this eight months later. He's a guy who can make big-time throws, hang in the pocket, maneuver that pocket around, stay on his feet, but then also take off and make a big run. He does everything you'd ever want. He's thrown back-to-back seasons where he's thrown at least 35 touchdowns. This is a guy you want with the game close, with the game on the line, because he's going to do everything in his power to make plays, and he's a leader, and that whole team in Buffalo looks up to him. So Josh Allen, we're going to have at number four. Number three, another quarterback. I don't necessarily love putting a lot of quarterbacks on this list because I think it's not necessarily about what position you play to make this top five uh, a list here. But Patrick Mahomes, I just think he's he's underrated at this point. I think he's overlooked. I still think he can make every throw using every arm angle possible. And he also has sneaky mobility. We don't have to talk about the stats because throughout his entire career since 2018 as a full-time starter, they've been, they've been nothing but gaudy. You can tell me Tyreek Hill's not going to be there, but it doesn't matter. I still think that he's a guy with his unique arm talent paired with Andy Reid. I think that what he's able to do on the football field makes him my number three player in the Sauce Top 5 NFL players. Number two, this is more my wheelhouse, the type of players you'll see number two and number one. I know you won't be surprised, but number two is T.J. Watt. 22 sacks last year. He's just dominant from a pass rushing perspective. The past two seasons, he's also defended 12 passes. He's also had seven forced fumbles. He's not number one just because the because he's not the elite run player. And I know the NFL is mostly a passing league, so I'm not going to hold that too much against him. But I just think his moves from a technical perspective, the way that he uses his leverage, what he does on the football field to create pressure, whether it be uh, you know spin moves, juke moves, whether it be just a, even a pure bull rush, go, on, go ahead and turn on the tape. You'll see some of these things there. Hand placement, he wins at the line of scrimmage. I think he's the number two overall best player in the league. And number one should be no surprise to anyone. And I'm sick and tired of arguing this Arguing this with people. I'm sick and tired of hearing, oh, he's not a quarterback. He doesn't affect the game entirely. That's nonsense. It's Aaron Donald. If you have any doubts about how good Aaron Donald is, go ahead and turn on those last two plays of the Super Bowl. You want to talk about third and one, he steps in there, makes a tackle for no gain. You want to talk about fourth and one, he pressures Joe Burrow to seal the the game for the Los Angeles Rams. And if you don't understand the impact that this guy makes as an interior defensive player from the pass rushing spot, you don't understand football. You're not, I can't have a conversation with you. 
the impact that this guy makes, you have to double and triple team him. He becomes the entire focus. You can't have, you can't, if you don't block him, there is pressure in your quarterback's face. He still had 12 and a half sacks last year. He had 13 and a half the year before that. And this is coming, you know, a couple of years before that, back in 2018, he had 20 and a half. Is he ever going to duplicate that 20 and a half again? No. But can he still pressure and make it so that the game is impossible to play against him? Yeah. Does he do this week in, week out, play in, play out? Yes, he does. And that's why he's the number one player in football. There's a Grand Canyon size difference between him and TJ Watt just because of the ability that Donald has to play against the run and not just the pass. This is a guy that was the number one player per PFF against the pass, the number one player against the run, all that as a six-foot, 295-pound defensive tackle. You want to watch it? If you watch this guy, he uses leverage. I mentioned leverage with T.J. Watt. His body positioning is perfect every single play. He doesn't take plays off. He pressures, and he ruins the game. This is a guy that is a surefire Hall of Famer, this is a guy that undoubtedly there's a bistro table in the history of the greatest defensive players. There's a bistro table. It's him and it's Lawrence Taylor. Maybe, maybe Reggie White can have a seat at that table too if we want to squeeze three in there. But if we can't squeeze the third in there, it's him and Lawrence Taylor are the two greatest defensive football players of all time. And for those people, again, to tell me that Aaron Donald is not the best player in football because he's not the quarterback, you're clueless. I said best player. Now, if I was lining these five guys up in a draft, it's a different story. But I said best, most talented, the guy that's the most able to be elite at what his job is on the football field, and that is Aaron Donald. He's the best defensive lineman I've ever seen. There's probably not going to be anyone better than him. You look at that unique skill set with his speed, his size, and his just overall quickness on the football field to read and react, plays, shed, you know, get his hands in there, shed blockers. It's him. It's Aaron Donald. And if you, ha- if, if you again, want to keep pushing this narrative that he's not a quarterback, get lost because we're talking about best NFL players. All right. Next thing and last thing. We're going to get into here. We're going to get into our season preview. We're going to talk about division winners. We're going to talk about wild card as well. Excuse me as I take a sip of water there. So let's get it started here with the East or the AFC East. The Bills. And the Bills are sitting right now. I'll give you the odds because I know how important this stuff is. I don't necessarily pick with odds in mind. I kind of just make a pick and then take a look at the odds. The Bills are looking at minus 230. This is their time to be the best team in the NFL. This is going to continue, okay, that they are probably the best regular season team in the NFL. They added Von Miller. They're loaded. Josh Allen is going to continue to show why he's a top three quarterback. So give me the Bills to win the East. Right now it's at minus 230. AFC North, the Ravens. The Ravens had horrendous injury luck last year. I've got Lamar Jackson in a contract year. I know they traded away Hollywood Brown, but I trust the Ravens from a personnel standpoint. Jackson in that contract year, like I said, he's going to be able to do good things. He's been a past NFL MVP back in, I believe, 2019. So give this guy a chance. They're at plus 145 right now to win that AFC North. Now, the South is going to be an absolute shocker. I'm going with the Texans. I don't like the Titans. 
I don't like the Colts, and I don't like the Jaguars either, although I think they'll be a little bit better with Trevor Lawrence and a former Super Bowl coach and Doug Peterson. Now, the Texans, I, I'm not really so sure about them either. But I think in the NFL, there's so much turnover. I think you have to expect surprises when you see Cincinnati go all the way to the Super Bowl last year. They are an absolute long shot at plus 2,500. I think they're at 100 to 1 to have the best record in the AFC. But again, I don't love this division. So if they can scrap together a 4 and 2 record in this division, maybe win five other games on their schedule. Lovey Smith is not a great head coach, but he's not bad at 92 and 90 throughout his career. And Davis Mills showed you he could play. He had, if you look at his last five games, he had multiple games with quarterback ratings in the 120s, in the 130s. If this is a guy that can play respectable, you know, respectably from the quarterback position, they've got a chance to go nine and eight and steal that division if they win four division games. So I like, I don't love the Texans. I don't even know if I like the Texans, but I think just from the sheer fact that don't always go with the chalk when it talk when you talk about division winners and playoff teams. So maybe the Texans with, you know, with a more experienced coach and their coach last year shouldn't have been fired. Let's just get that out of the way. He should not have been fired. He did the absolute best given the, the whole Watson situation and given his quarterback to, you know, he should have been given another year. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Lovey Smith's in there. He's not a great coach, but he's good enough. He had success with the Bears about, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Give him a chance. The turnover that happened in the NFL, I'm going to pick the Texans to win the South. The West is Kansas City. Again, this seems too obvious here. I know there's strong competition. Denver added Russell Wilson. The Raiders were a playoff team last year. And everyone seems to be all over the Chargers. But the Chargers, historically, are not a big-time team. They've been to one Super Bowl. They always, year in and year out, find ridiculous ways to lose games. So give me Kansas City to win the West, even without Tyreek Hill. Now, the wild cards. I'm going to give you these wild card teams and their chances to make the playoffs. So not necessarily their chances to be a wild card, but their chances to make the playoffs. I like Denver. They're at minus 146 right now. Denver is a team that added Russell Wilson. People like their roster. I know Von Miller isn't there anymore either, but people like their roster. You look at what Bradley Chubb's able to do from that pass rushing spot. So give me Denver to go ahead and make the playoffs as one of those wild card teams. I like the Bengals. I already talked about them for the over. They're sitting at minus 134 right now to go ahead and make the playoffs. So whether that's either the division or the wild card, but I like the Bengals to make the playoffs. And I know I just spoke very poorly about the Chargers, but I think Herbert, this is his time to make the playoffs. They're at minus 162 to make the playoffs. There's a lot of talent there. Khalil Mack is there. Aaron Eckler's a pretty good running back, you know, especially from a fantasy standpoint. But it's really all about the quarterback with the Chargers. And I think they're good enough, especially when there's three wild cards, to go ahead and make the playoffs. Now, let's go ahead and talk about the NFC. In the East, I hate to say it, but Eagles are going to win the division. There's been major movement from a line standpoint as to the Eagles winning, you know, over, as to the Eagles making the playoffs, as to the Eagles winning the division, the Eagles winning the conference. Even the Eagles having the best record in the NFC is something like 10-1. to 1. So people seem to be on the Eagles. They seem to like them, especially if Dallas is going to have a much worse offensive line. So give me them, the Eagles, with a strong offensive line. Jalen Hurts is not the best passer, but he can throw the ball. They also added, you know, uh, what's his name? Whatever the guy from the Titans, I can't think of his name. It's a very generic name. A.J. whatever his name is. So they have a legitimate number one wide receiver. I like Fletcher Cox, of course, in there. I like Jordan Davis, the new draft pick. That should give him a pretty beefy defensive front. 
I like even adding James Bradbury, who I thought with the Giants was still a pretty good player. It was just more of a cap casualty. So give me the Eagles uh, at plus 135 to win the NFC East. From the North, this is, again, i got to pick new teams to kind of be in. There's, every year there's some turnover in the NFL. So give me the Vikings. I think Cousins is solid. I already talked about them with the under over. They have weapons with Jefferson. They've got Dalvin Cook. I mean, that's a pretty solid, you know, quarterback, receiver, running back combination. I like that there's a new coach in there who's a little bit more offensive-minded. And, you know, the Lions, the Bears, those aren't big-time teams. They're not really going to be a factor. So if you think they can sneak in there and win just one more game or even tie what Green Bay does and maybe – you know, the division record works out in their favor. I like the Vikings to win it, and that's sitting at plus 240. The South, I don't love any of these teams. The Bucks with Brady, there's been too much weird stuff going on from retiring, then unretiring, 10 days away from camp at a time, front page of the New York Post talking about his marriage to Giselle. I just don't like all the noise that's going on there, plus Arian stepping down. But Todd Bowles, his first year with the Jets, he did win 10 games, so he's not the worst coach coach ever he didn't quite have Matt's that success anytime after that but Brady's not going to have a losing year and I think that's going to be enough to get it done people say they like the Saints and I know the Saints have owned Brady but that's with Peyton as the coach Dennis Allen he was a coach of the Raiders he wasn't any good so I don't love them Matt Rule even though he had a seven-year contract he's coaching for his job I think Baker Mayfield being motivated might push them a little but I think there's really no other choice here other than to pick the Bucks at minus 230 the West, I'm also going with a kind of chalk he picked. It's the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. They're still great everywhere. I, you know how much I love Aaron Donald. I think Stafford is still hungry. He never had any type of success or consistent success with the Lions. They made the playoffs a couple of times. I think Arizona's going to take a step back. I don't think they were as good as their record was, especially early in the last year. I think they're more kind of what they were towards the end of the year. I think Kyler Murray can still put up good numbers and be solid. But I see them taking a step back. Seattle's obviously not going to be a factor if you're going to roll out Geno Smith as your starting quarterback. And I think that there's a little too much noise with San Francisco. Is Jimmy G our quarterback? Should we release him? Should we trade him? I don't think they're going to win the division either. So give me the Rams, and they're sitting at plus 125. The wild cards for the NFC. San Francisco, they are minus 225 to make the playoffs. But I like them overall to make the playoffs. I think Trey Lance, if they're, if San Francisco is able to do what Kyle Shanahan is trying to replicate 10 years ago with having RG3 as the quarterback when he was on his dad's staff with Washington, they're going to be successful. If that can, you know, I don't know if that could be a long-term type of success, but if they're able to do that, where they're able to run the ball and pass the ball with Lance, I think they'll be able, it'll be enough to make the playoffs. I think the Packers are making the playoffs, too. They're minus 500 to make the playoffs. Like I said, I'm picking the Vikings for the division, but I'll pick the Packers for a wild card. And I think also Carolina. I think Matt Rule has been has shown that he's not a great coach, but there's definitely some potential. He started off 3-0 last year. I think having a motivated Baker Mayfield who feels he, could, he was done wrong by the Browns, let's face it. He was not given a fair shake. They said they wanted Watson despite all the crazy, you know, the ridiculous, disgusting, despicable stuff off the field. But I think if you give Baker Mayfield some motivation and a chance to show the world again that he is a good quarterback, which he did nothing but that for Cleveland. He played injured last year. He was severely injured with the shoulder. I think they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs, especially since Matt Rule might be coaching for his job. Now, for my Super Bowl pick, this is a rematch. It's not a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. 
It's a rematch of an old, long time ago Super Bowl. Kansas City and Minnesota. So give me Kansas City. I don't even know if this was a rematch of an old Super Bowl. It might not be. Now that I, I might be thinking of Kansas City Green Bay. So at any rate, give me Kansas City over the Vikings in the Super Bowl. That's sitting at plus 7,400 if you want to go ahead and lay that down for that exact odds. So, again, I don't know if that's a matchup. I'm going to check real quick if that was a matchup in the Super Bowl. Uh, let's see. Did Kansas City ever play Minnesota in the Super Bowl? Oh, I guess it was. This was a Super Bowl four. I don't know what I was thinking. The Chiefs beat the Vikings. I don't know what I was thinking about. So I guess it is a rematch of Super Bowl four. But at any rate, Kansas City over Minnesota, and you can get that exact result at plus 7,400. So we did it all. We talked about it all. We gave you all sorts of predictions, unders, overs, division winners, wild cards, Super Bowl. We talked about the despicable, disgraceful New York football giants and what I expect from them and what I'd like to see from them. And that's really all we're going to give you. Schloss Rand, 7th Annual, 7th Annual Facebook Live NFL Preview. Enjoy the games. Have fun. And try not to rush the football season because we all love it and we hate when it gets to the middle of February now and we don't have Schloss Rand live from the Philadelphia suburbs. We'll see you later.